finishing touches on it. And all right, I have a banner up for our Disney Desk Expo, uh, D22, Disney Desk 22. Yeah, is that, is that anything? Disney Desk 22. Yeah. That's a thinker. DD222. That's what the cool kids call it. You know, the guys who had passes for multiple years. Right. DD22. Sounds like a droid. Yeah. I do love my little trip. Welcome back to the Disney desk, everyone. I'm a disgrace to my family. Yeah, and I'm along for the ride. So, this is an episode... This is kind of a little bit more of a freewheeling episode, but it's one we felt like we should do because as a Disney podcast, a pretty notable event happened in Disneydom this week or last weekend. Right. Yeah. Today we want to talk about the coming and passing of something called Disney Plus Day, which is supposed to be a commemorative event marking the one year anniversary of the launch of disney plus as a streaming service or what is it three years now wait what three years how many years have we been doing this disney plus let me check it's not one year it's been three uh founded november 12th oh i guess it's 2019 i guess it has been more than a year why (laughs) because (laughs) we did a plague happened to like that's right and made time feel all wonky yeah. yeah Disney Plus came out, and then within a month, you were getting texts and from me. And we all like, went in. Yeah. yeah. I was like, hey, man, you should probably like buy some masks. This doesn't, you know, there's a thing going on in China. This might be bad. Yeah. Um, we were like, yeah. well, I'm sure it'll only be a month. I remember when I got to, not the pandemic, uh, I got, I remember when I got Disney Plus, I was waiting to audition for something in New York. And oh, I was man. like, oh, shoot, today's the day. And I texted my family. I'm like, hey, uh, do you guys want to all chip in for Disney Plus? And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I just sat there waiting, um, filling <laughs> out forms. Um, yeah, so Disney Plus Day is a sort of tie-in. It's not the anniversary, but it's close enough that they decided this would be the day. Right. Um, because it's also D23, which is... It's. I don't even know how to describe D23. It's like a fan club. Yeah, D23 you... is, it's a fan club and an expo. It, it's essentially Disney decided that, like, Comic-Con was not enough for them. Right. And they wanted an event that was even more exclusive, I guess. But it's like, a, it, it's a club that you, like, pay into like it's like a membership, a D twenty three membership that, and there's like a bunch of perks that you get annually for it. I think like, and by perks I just mean like you get to spend money on things that other people don't get to spend money. Yeah, you get to pay for merch that's like special merch that like regular old people don't even have the option to purchase, but like you do have the option to spend more money with your already expensive membership. Anyway, um. And then they added the expo, which started more as just like a fun little fan event. And then once they bought Star Wars and Marvel, just right, they were like, Well, we're gonna invite celebrities and Mm. make it a thing that feels less like a fan event and more of like an us event Mm -hmm. where you're also invited, I guess. But it's yeah, so so now it's become like a fully like exclusive 
thing that's like up there with Comic-Con as as these like annual events that happen. Um and and essentially the same things that that happened at Comic-Con happened at D23 which is like hey, guess what we're making in the next 5 years. This is here's a bunch of teasers, maybe. Like I will say we weren't that like over the moon about anything particular announced. So we can probably just skim through that real quick and get to more right. of what we want to talk about. Right. Um so one of the they did the gaming announcements first, and the one thing that stuck out to me is they announced a Captain America Black Panther game. Yes. Uh, the idea of like an action adventure World War Three adventure starring Captain America and Black Panther sounds awesome. Yes. Um, I do hope we get. It would be cool if we also got Namor and Human Torch in it because I've wanted Invaders content for a while. Mm. One of my like dream castings for What If would be. Um, for them to do a what if Captain America formed a different Avengers team and it's just the invaders. Oh. From Disney, we just got an announcement. Their sort of their commemorative 100th anniversary film is going to be Wish. Uh, right. Which is, say what you want about Disney. They know pomp and circumstance. They're like, we're so important. We're going to do a movie based on our theme song, basically. It, it's giving me like Fantasia vibes. Is that? Right. Where it's like... Let's just make some abstract art and call it a movie. Mm-hmm. It's giving me that vibe. Yeah. Um, the only thing, they mentioned that they're going to try and incorporate some older animation techniques, which I'm like, please let there be even just a single hand-drawn segment in this, please. Right. Yeah. Like, I know us animation snobs can be a bit annoying, but wouldn't it be nice? Right. It wouldn't would be, be nice. nice. Wouldn't it be worth the money? Just do it. Um, Pixar announced uh, Inside Out 2, which... Sure. Yeah, um, that's a thing. Okay. Uh, their other announced movie announced. Well, they confirmed a release date for Win Lose, which is what actually interests me from them. The idea is it's a TV series where it's um, two rival baseball teams playing, and every episode's from the perspective of a different player. I'm like, okay, uh, that's fun. Now that's a Pixar idea right there. Yeah, truly. Um, and then I believe it's Elios, which the idea is it's. Um, a kid gets zapped to the other side of the galaxy and all the aliens assume he's an ambassador. Cool. All right. Nice. That's fun. Uh, I like that they're committing to this sort of, uh, I hate to use the term bean mouth style. That's what like pejorative people call it. Basically the style Luca and turning red had. That's a little more cartoony and yeah. um, circle-y. Right. Um, Cause I like that and it looks good in the Pixar style. It does. Um, and then they announced they're like, what if elements had feelings? So it's like, Oh, elemental, fire, water, earth, air. I'm like, you know, Yay. Avatar, we can milk from Avatar 2. Right, yeah. Um, uh, Lucasfilm had Indiana Jones, which it's like... Right. The only thing funny about Indiana Jones is how much reverence uh, Harrison Ford seems to have, considering right. that he cannot fucking stand Star Wars. I think that's hilarious, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think... He seems to very much fall into um, where the original Obi-Wan actor is, where it's like, oh, this is all, like, mossy gnomes fantasy nonsense. Like, right. I'm a serious actor. Right. And then Marvel was the one, and this is kind of my big point about these expos that I want to talk about, but Marvel was considered a disappointment. One, because a lot of the trailers they showed were not released to the public. Like, apparently the Cap- uh, the Marvel's trailer was incredible, but right. we don't get to see it for no. now. It was an exclusive. Um, apparently the Black Panther footage they showed was incredible, but we don't get to see that. Mm. Um, 
they sort of more just affirmed projects they already announced. So like, they're like, yeah, Loki is back. Um, Secret Invasion and Armor Wars are still happening. Right. Um, Fantastic Four is still happening, but we don't have a cast yet, which is where the rumor mill really got out of hand this mm. month. Um, and then the one thing that has been a rumor for a while that hadn't gotten announced yet is Werewolf by Night. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. I what am very much excited for that. Yeah, what Me a picture. Me too. Um, that is definitely going to be an episode in October because I Absolutely. think that's the exact kind of speed Marvel should be at right now with like <laughs> sort of semi-canonical spinoff stuff. Right. Um, yeah, I guess like, like I said, announcement wise, it, there was a lot of cool stuff, but it was nothing like pants shooting off. Right. Exciting. Exactly. Um, for me, it's more just this kind of captures, and we were talking about this before we recorded, it captures a lot of like different elements of these manufactured press events for us. Right. Yeah. My big one is the rumor mill. We got to chill out on the rumor mill stuff, guys. Like, it's, I know everyone yeah. wants to be a scoopster. Everyone wants to be a hype man. Right. But, like, every time one of these damn events happens, I'm one of these damn events happens, we get so, like, out of hand. And as a Nintendo person, too, like, every time they announce a Nintendo Direct, everyone's like, this is it. Right. Mario Odyssey 2, Donkey Kong World, uh, something with Pikmin, and then it never happens. And then we get mad at stuff they the never promised place, no. we were yeah. going to get to see. They never even hinted at. Right. And then... The best part is, literally, like, two days after D23, Sony had their press event, and I'm like, guys, it's going to be a handful of smaller games, and then right. they're going to show a trailer for God of War. They're not going to announce any new big things. They're not going to announce anything. And literally, I called it. A bunch of small games, and then a trailer for God of War. Right. Which slapped. But then people are like, why didn't you show Wolverine? And I'm like... We never said we would. Yeah. Right. It kind of captures, like, guys, you have to understand, especially since the pandemic, like, it was very frustrating for a lot of movie studios to announce things in 2018 that were supposed to come out in 2020 and, and then didn't get to come out till 2023. Right. Like, that is a lot of money you have to put aside just to keep something in a holding pattern. Right, exactly. A lot of studios have learned the lesson, let's not announce anything until, like, we are 100% sure. That the even world is going to blow. Yeah. And even if it does, we've announced it close enough that it can still be released. Right. Um, yeah, we, and you know, we we talked about this briefly before we started recording of, of like the ways that our lives had to change for the pandemic really spoiled us to kind mm -hmm. of like getting exactly what we wanted. I think b because these streaming services were able to milk a lot out of its consumers because we had nothing better to do with our lives. <laughs> right, right. So they were just giving us exactly what we wanted. And it, it trained us to be like, we can ask for things and asking you shall receive. Like that's, that's sort of yeah. like the, the like codependent pattern that like we got into with these companies. Right. Like, cause they were able to just drip feed us stuff. It was a <laughs> yeah. lot more instant gratification. Right. And I think you made a really good point of like, it feels like there was so many, so fewer announcements because it's easy to forget the last D23 was a digital event. Yeah. Yes, some things were still held behind the paywall, but we saw way more and heard right. way more than we yeah. normally do because they're like, oh, well, we might as well make it for everyone. And I guess we were naive to think it would stay that way. Like, right. Like, you know, they were going to make sort of information and hype more, which, again, this is so feels so cynical because it's all, like, brand hype and, like, yeah. you know cheerleading for companies pretty but much like, 
you know, making that more equitable is still nice because this is like a shared thing we can all get excited for. Right, exactly. So then to pull the rug and be like, no, it's in person again. And if you're not in person, you don't get the cheese. Yeah, too bad. It's a bit disappointing. It I, is. We should have seen it coming, but it is a hard transition to go back to normal. Yeah, absolutely. For as much, it's not ironic that we're, that everyone has been crying like, oh, I can't wait for life to get back to normal. And then this one thing is, is quote unquote back to normal. And we're like, not this. this- <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh, wait a minute. That's why all those people did the think pieces about like, hey, yeah. going back to normal would be bad. Because right. <laughs> a lot of stuff sucked right. in 2019. And we had a chance to change it permanently and we didn't. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's that's definitely a part of it. And also, like you were really hammering home this idea of manufactured events. It just feels like mm. there's so many more of these little hype events throughout the year. There are. that. Like, I do kind of wish we would go back to when it was just Comic-Con and, like, literally everything that was going to be announced was announced there. Right. Yeah, I would agree. It's kind of the reverse of the instant gratification thing because it's like, then we at least get out of the cycle of extreme hype for one day and then disappointment that they didn't announce more. Right. Yeah. No, I would Um, agree. Um, Did we want to touch... Yeah, like, I mean, what I really wanted to talk about today was was Disney Plus as a streaming service. Yes. Not like at, but also like this idea of the Disney Plus day, like mm-hmm. was this just because I'm thinking about it, it's like, you know, this isn't the first time that they've had multiple releases come out on the same day. Like Oh yeah. Multiverse of Madness came out with something else, like on the same day. It's like, mm-hmm. so why did why was this special? Like <laughs> or did they just need to like drum up hype for something again? Like, and did, did did they succeed at that? I mean, the funny thing is, especially because it was on a Thursday, and a lot of stuff drops on Thursdays anyway. Yeah. There was so much content. Like, I barely even, I literally forgot Pinocchio came out. Right, yeah. And that seems like the thing, which is ironic, because that's the thing they were pushing the most. Yeah. And that was that and Thor, which, you know, I did rewatch that, but. Right. I, yeah, I don't know what it's hard to say what the purpose was other than why don't we just move the anniversary a month earlier to tie in with the thing we already have. Right. Yeah. Like the only big surprise was they dropped a BTS concert, which I'm like, I feel like I would have known if that was like a pre-announced thing. Right. Yeah. No. I also, speaking of Pinocchio, like I think I meant this to you. I didn't realize it was going to streaming. I thought this was going to theaters. Oh, yeah. Uh, in general, it seems like there are, other than the, they really are trying to push a lot more of these straight to Disney+, Plus because I think they've decided that kind of mutes the negative backlash a little bit. Right, yeah. Um, the exception being Little Mermaid, just because, oh, yeah, they showed a trailer for Little Mermaid, finally, and my take was, it's nice to have a sing- like a real singer, and it's cool that, you know, representation matters, but right. at the same time, like, my fears of, like, oh, no, these fish are going to look freakish in CGI. Yeah. Um, was kind of affirmed. I mentioned that to you over text that, like, I, I saw it, you know. Um, I always want to – her name is not Halle Berry. I, I made and, that mistake <laughs> yesterday, and my friends chastised me. And I'm like, like you actually know. It's pretty much spelled the same. She's a Haley. Is she a Haley or is it – is she a Halley? I, I think it's either Hale or Haley. And her last name is Barry. It's not Halle Berry. Are you? Are we sure? Is she I, like? 
Anyway. I don't want to bully a child. Bailey. But, like, her parents knew what they were Hallie, doing, right? Bailey. Like, she's not that old. Right. No, they, they knew exactly what this was. Um, okay, I think her last name was Bailey. Hallie Bailey. Correct? Maybe. Either way, my point here is, like, you know, I'm excited for her. She sounded beautiful. She is a beautiful girl. But, like, I keep, every time I see the clip, I'm really staring hard at it. And I'm like, is this going to look gross? Yeah. I think this might look gross. It's the sickness of these things going photorealistic. Because it's like, Little Mermaid in particular is one of the more fanciful, like, vibrant, sort of expressive animated movies they ever made. Like, the whole... Like, the whole, like, sort of buy-in for that movie is the opening number is on this dreary, like, foggy pirate ship. Right. Like, they're singing Fathoms, like, they're singing a workman's song. And then we follow the fish through this murky water into this vibrant kaleidoscope of colors and lights. And then we see this, like, musical performance of fish. Utopia, open up, yeah. And, like, in the insistence on making everything photorealistic, you just lose all that charm. It's the same problem and I don't know how much you want to actually talk about Pinocchio, which was one of the two marquee Disney Plus Day things. Mm. We haven't been able to get through it, and we've been trying. But, like, <laughs> insisting on photorealism for that just makes everything feel so... Gross. Like, yeah, it's gross. The fox is gross. <laughs> the puppet is, like, well-meaning effort, gross. The fact that your first image of the movie is Jiminy Cricket flying down, and it's a photorealistic cricket, you're just like, this is... Oh, no. no. Like, oh, no, 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 no. I I don't know that I want to talk about Pinocchio that much, but, like, what are they doing? Like... Right. Uh, like, I'm trying to compare this to something else, like, of these remakes, but it's, like, Beauty and the Beast. Okay. That's... It's, like, they commit to photorealism in that. Like, yeah. is that why that works? Because it's, like, Cogsworth and Lumiere look it, I would say it works like for the... Yeah, it works for the objects because it adds to that sort of like Entity. gothic horror element yeah. and that like dark fantasy thing where it's like, oh yeah, they're really objects. These people have been turned into objects. Right. But, but it, it falls like a stone brick when you see the beast and you're like, oof, this does not work. True. But it's like at least with Beauty and the Beast, like they didn't put like the cartoon eyeballs on Lumiere. Like, and I feel like that's what's wrong with Pinocchio is, is that it is trying to be both cartoony and photorealistic. And it looks disgusting. Like it. Like yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. Like Jiminy Cricket looks gross. <laughs> horrific. It's horrific. And again, literally, it's the Disney castle and the umbrellas in, and you're just like, oh Ew. fuck! I hate it. <laughs> Everyone, Bobby Z, what Ugh. happened, man? How you used to be the guy? What happened to you, man? Yeah, and it's it's like I I don't want to think about what insects look like. Insects right, exactly. are gross. They're like they the only animals looking. that work are like the cat and the fish, and the that's because they overdo the cutesy cartooniness in them. So right. you're like, okay, this is a little better. Cats, cats as animals are naturally cartoonish. Yes. like in their yeah. in their design, God, in, in the way that God designed them. Cats are autumn are sort of cartoony with their big eyes and things like that. They move like cartoons, like so the cat works, but like. I, I find the fish to be a little, like, overdone. Like, I, yeah, the fish takes me out of it. I would agree with that. But, like, uh, no. And then, and, and <laughs> don't, you cracked me up the other day when when I was, we were talking with the Blue Fairy, and I couldn't think of her name, and you, you referred to her as my Judas. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Hilarious. Um, so, yeah, side note. Um, so, I'm a huge Great Comet guy. That's, like, my favorite musical ever. It's a huge deal for me. And 
It's not Cynthia Evo's fault. It really isn't. Like, a lot of other people were mad. Short version is, they brought in the guy who played Hercules Mulligan um, to play the main character uh, after Josh Groban left, and mm. it started really struggling financially. And it wasn't his fault. They also did a terrible job marketing the musical. Mm. But then they tried to end his contract early and replace him with Mandy Patankin, who, weirdly enough, is also in Beauty and the Beast. Oh. Um, and people reasonably cried foul of, like, you know, Kicking a black Boo. actor out of a role. For Mandy and, Patinkin? I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Mandy Patinkin, but... Yeah. Like, and he was a vic- he was an adult about it. He's like, you know what, this is right. I'm not going to take on the role. I will yeah. let him finish his contract. But then the damage was done, and they just pulled the plug. Right. It's not her fault. She just became the face of this of like, weird controversy. Yeah. Sort of a well-meaning social media campaign turned into a show closing. Yeah. So, yes, I refer to her as my Judas. <laughs> I, it's it's hilarious, um, um, but but anyway, she's in I'm this. a petty bitch who lives for the grudges. Right. Look, I guess we're talking about Pinocchio now. Like this Fuck. this conversation, yeah. like we're never going to talk about this again. Yeah. Ideally, unless this is we're going really in the bin stark for content with Lightyear of like this last thing we're going to say about this. <laughs> yeah, I just and we haven't even finished the effing movie. No, we haven't even gotten through it. And like you know, now that we're talking about it, I may never finish that movie. I'm gonna, I gotta, I'm already halfway through. I gotta force myself. But again, and if you wanna talk about, and it's like the sickness of photorealism in live action, it's like the plot structure of the original Pinocchio. Like, I started rewatching it because I'm like, am I missing something here? Was the original not that good? And it's like, no, it's good the because it works in a fairy tale way. Yeah, it's yeah. visually arresting, and animation lets you have this sort of episodic plot flow where we're just yeah. seeing these moments through these characters' eyes. Right. And like going through all these different sort of like madcap experiences that all build up to something like build up where like the plot is more about the theme and not the end like the structure exactly if that makes sense right whereas like when everything's photorealistic you have you're like this is just this is just like a little vignette a little vignette a little vignette oh the movie's over right and you didn't even get to the part well you saw the no string sequence i did and that's where i quit you gave up Mm -hmm. yeah i quit right after that because they bring back there's like a little girl who works at the same like carnival barker show and they establish like that she has like some kind of leg injury so she has a little wooden leg kind of like it's in a it's a prosthetic i guess yes yeah and then she does the song that they added to the score to try to get a nomination for best song and it kind of works here like because she's singing about like being feeling like a puppet feeling like a Mm. like she's on strings and i'm like okay there's something here especially because she puppeteers a puppet so right. you're like oh she's show. gonna relate to pinocchio through this this is gonna be their character moment this is yeah. how Pinocchio's gonna be learn how to be a real boy by relating to this human mm. and then it becomes like a mambo song out of fucking nowhere like the entire tenor and tone and pace of the song changes and it goes <laughs> mad like it's it's everything wrong with robert zemeckis's later films where he just can't calm down it's just madness in color yeah. It's mm-hmm. like the rock song from uh, uh, Orient Express, or not Orient Express, uh, Polar Express. No, no uh. one got murdered. Um, but yeah, it's that, like, when the elves are hosting a rock and roll concert, and you're like, the fuck does this have to do with anything Steven that we've seen Steven Tyler already? shows up yeah. randomly as an elf? Yeah. And you're just like... Okay, we're done here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just pulled the plug. I'm like, I can't. And then I, I literally just skimmed through the thumbnails and I'm like, does she even come back? And she right. doesn't. And I'm like, all right, that's yeah, all I Okay, need to know. so this was for nothing, yeah. This was literally just another bullshit vignette in this collection of bullshit vignettes. It is. No, I I think what, what pissed me off the most about Pinocchio was 
like the the what what they decided to do with with the blue fairy i'm like who like what what do you what does this film want like why is she modern why does she have acrylic nails and like modern jewelry none of this i don't get it what are you doing film yeah because like what are you doing yeah, there's no rhyme or reason to its stylism and that's like again that's the fundamental problem with late era zemeckis he has no control over tone or like messaging or form where mm-hmm. there's a version where you do this sort of like sing-songy modern blue fairy where it's like yeah this makes sense the magical elements will have a slightly more modern sensibility like okay you can make that work mm-hmm. but jiminy cricket still sounds like a 40s like how do hey ho hey they're a partner it's like yeah. if you made him more modern i'm like okay so like the animated characters are more modern maybe like it's just it, no. none of the pieces go together right none of the pieces fit together you're at trying all. to force them into literally the exact damn near word-for-word scripting of the original thing. And, like, say what you want about Milan. It wasn't very good, but at least they tried to do something different. Right. And that was was another example of, like, them trying to force pieces that don't go together to go together. But at least, again, they Mm. didn't just take the script of the original and just copy-paste it and then add shit on top of it. Right. (sighs) <clears throat> anyway, yeah. that's where I stopped. I have nothing more to say. We never need yeah, to talk about this again. Yeah, let's get to the actual point of this episode. Because Disney wants us to celebrate Di- uh, it's Disney thing. Plus. Let's and talk about we... where Disney Plus is three years later. Like, here's here's the role that Disney Plus has fulfilled in my life. Like, I think going into this, and we've talked about this before, like, when Disney Plus was being pitched to us, we believed this would be, like, the best thing since sliced bread because all of our VHS has stopped working. So right. we thought that this would replace our VHS and our VHS collections. <laughs> and it did. Like, but we... The thing is, like, we... Like, would we be watching our VHSs if we had them still? No. We just have them for posterity. Like, we just have them because we have them. And, and it's, like, our version of, like, whatever baby boomers take pride in. Right. And it's, it's it's our version of, I had to walk uphill four miles to get to school. Like, that. our version is like, yeah, you have to, like, rewind the tape after you finish watching it. <laughs> that's, that's funny. That's our yeah, version. Yeah, that's why we kept all those. Yeah, that's why we kept all those. Um, Even though I don't have a functioning VHS anywhere in my house. Nobody does, but... <laughs> yeah. Like... Now it's like when I'm sitting down at the end of my long day to watch something, it's like I'm not just gravitating to Disney Plus. Is it just me or is like I don't naturally put that on first? Like I feel like I still gravitate neutrally like to the other streaming services as a default. And I go to Disney Plus when there's something specific I need to watch. Yeah, I think this I think that does capture something cuz it's like there was that nuclear bomb that went off when it's like literally the entire canon of Disney dumb and also Marvel and also Star Wars mm-hmm. and also a crap ton of other stuff and Fox now was all going to be in one place. Mm. And it's almost more valuable for the comfort of being like, I never have to worry about never being able to watch Hercules. Like if any time yes. I need that comfort food, it's going to be there. It's a security blanket. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm hard pressed to think of a time where I just sit down where I'm like, I don't know what's what, like, I will literally click through all the streaming services and kind of just be like, and it rarely ends on Disney plus. Right. Unless I like the only example is like, I like Hawkeye as like background yeah. when I'm like working on other things. Right. It's like, 
it's it's weird. It's like I go to Disney Plus. You're right to find that security blanket thing. Snow White's always going to be there. Mary Poppins is always going to be there. But mm. I trust Netflix to tell me what to watch. You know? Right. <laughs> like, I, I trust Netflix knows what to show me. It's like, right. I, I, I let my, I allow myself to be led by Netflix. But I go, but like, I go to Disney Plus for a very specific thing. And then I'm done. Yeah. Thank you, ma'am. I'm on my yeah, way. and like, for me, that's Hulu. Because Hulu is like all the TV. And I guess Disney Plus owns, or Disney owns Hulu. But, like, that's where Bob's Burgers is. That's where King yeah. of the Hill is. That's where, right. like, a lot of the stuff I will just watch casually is. Or just sport, you know, because I have Hulu Live, so I can just watch cable through Hulu. Right. And, like, yeah, Disney Plus is more for events, you know. It's the Star Wars shows and the Marvel shows and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I wonder if a part of it's also just, like, I think Disney stuff is hurt most by, like, and again, I hate to be the pretentious wanker and all this, but, like, the you know, the pageantry of the big screen, I wonder if this is what hurts it the most. Because I remember when, like, you know, Encanto did pretty well in theaters. Like, it made its money. It made about what they want these things to make. Mm -hmm. But then it blew the hell up on Disney+. Plus. Like, that's when people were talking about, that's when, like, all the memes started. Right. And I'm just like, man, I wish you all got to see it when it was on the big thing. Right, yeah. And while my brain can process, like, well, they're just new ways to absorb content now. And also, we're still in the middle of a plague. Um, True. Possibly two or three if you count polio. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's like, I think Disney is the most hurt by that transition. a thing that's just on your compute phone at any given time. Right. As opposed to that event thing you show up for. Right. Like... Whereas Hulu feels more like, ah, I'm just going to pop this on and vibe. Yeah. 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 Hulu has like a, a vibe, something in the background while I'm cooking my dinner thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is still, I guess, like, and maybe this is just me not adapting to the times, but it's still how I process a lot of, uh, it, like, television. It's still yeah. how I process a lot of, like, streaming, I guess. Right. And, you know, I also, like, I have to bring this up. This is something I complain to you about often. But, like, stylistically, like, I hate using Disney+. Plus. Like, mm-hmm. its interface sucks. It's the clunkiest, yeah. chunkiest. It's just so difficult to navigate. It's always slow. It's always lagging. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's jittery. And, like, I, I hate navigating it. And I have to say, for me, that's a huge part of why, like, I don't just naturally turn it on and I go there to see something specific and then I go. Like, it's difficult to, like, click around and, like, well, and, and, like, maybe this is, no, it's, it's really not that different using it on, like, a device, like a tablet or in a phone, but, like, using it with a remote on TV, like, it's just, it is, it is unpleasant to use. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you on that. Honestly, one of the biggest things is it's a huge library that should be an advantage is what becomes a disadvantage because it's so clunky. Like, you're like, oh, they just have the five banners. um, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars. um, National Geographic. Net Geo. And you're like, oh, this is convenient. And then you realize how much stuff falls under each of those. Yeah. Like, because, like, my brain isn't going to default to Disney when I want to watch Owl House. 
And yeah. that's a problem because then I have to go through so much crap. Like, if you don't know exactly what you want to search up, you just get so lost. You there's do. There's just too much stuff because they I... don't really curate it well. No, and but, yeah, there's so much stuff. I think they think they've curated it well, but it's like, I don't think it's possible to, to with with the amount of content here. Like, I remember the other day my mom and I were like, looking for that so raven and it's like okay i guess this is disney and then even if you go into the disney folder it's like okay i guess this is disney channel but it's not even there on the front page like you've got to back out of all of that to like type in and god knows how difficult and annoying it is to type with like an amazon remote <laughs> oh god i can't that's so raven to find it like you it's just so annoying yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, say what you want about Netflix now. I know Netflix is, like, hanging on by a thread and is getting right. eaten by its big, you know, by the monster it created in right. terms of, like, the streaming genre. But, like, just the cleanest, least fussy, it is easy to get subtitles. It's easy to change audio. It's easy yeah. to move around the thumbnail. It's very yeah. rarely laggy. You it's easy to open pause and start. the app and it's automatically showing you it. <laughs> you're like guess right. what you're watching you're watching it right yeah. now <laughs> like even just the littlest thing of like hitting the space bar always stops a show on netflix yeah in disney plus more often than not that'll boot you out of the episode and back to like the little title page mm-hmm. and i'm like netflix doesn't own it i can't imagine it's trademarked or copyrighted or patented any of the interface specific interface in terms of like pause and play right surely you could have just copied their homework like what are they gonna do you're disney right. Exactly. Yes, I I do, because it is frustrating. Because again, and for the longest time, I let a lot of this slide because Disney Plus was super cheap. But they are right. increasing the price now, and if you're increasing the price, regardless of content, I also need like a pleasant user experience. Right. Yeah, and we just don't have that yet, and it's it's annoying. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I. And it's, it's weird to focus on this because, again, it's so much content. And they are, out of all the streaming services, they're probably one of the stronger in terms of consistently providing stuff. Mm-hmm. Especially now that they fully appreciated, like, look, most of our animated shows and such, this is going to be how most people experience it. Right. So, for example, with both Amphibia and Owl House, which are, like, the two big sort of marquee Disney Channel shows right now in terms of animation... Like, the turnaround from showing on Disney Channel to being on Disney Plus is way, way better now. Like, mm. it's a couple of weeks. Like, they've realized the turnaround has to be crisp or you're going to lose people. Or right. you're just not going to get the views you want. Um, like, that's great. Um, as much as I look, as much as the 45-day theater exclusive, like, it used to be pre-pandemic, a movie was locked into theaters for 90 days and then you could put it on digital or DVD. Mm-hmm. 45 it's 45 days now that was what disney negotiated and on one hand that's very bad for theaters and right. it causes a lot of problems but at the same time having a month turnaround for someone who if i'm gonna see a movie it's within the first two weeks now right. i tend to be on the second week during the weekday just to minimize how much contact i have with people yeah but having that month turnaround is super convenient right like a movie i see once and then i get to see it again in a month rad that feels good yes um like, I find, I, we're going to have a separate episode to this, but most of their original content I find pretty entertaining, particularly in the Marvel yeah. and even the Star Wars front, despite people getting a little burned out on that. 
Uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Getting a little tired of the volume, which is their way of doing special effects now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, still good. Um, I do like, I do think they have a pretty good sixth sense of like what should go to theaters and what should go to Disney Plus. I'm not including Pixar, obviously. That, yeah. it, it, something is up there. Um, and we'll talk about that when right. we talk about it. But, like like we said, Pinocchio is only slightly tolerable because it went straight to Disney+. Plus. Because I have the like, option to walk out. <laughs> yeah, because I have the option to opt in and out. Yes. Yeah. Um, they're talking about putting that new Peter Pan thing on it, and it's like, I don't know if I'd re- go to see that in theaters if it wasn't on Disney+. Plus. No, I certainly would not. Yeah. Yes. I appreciate that the blowback from the Premiere Access model humbled them a little bit, and they cut mm. that out. Yeah, Which, that was kind of BS. Yeah. Well, I remember we saw Ryan the Last Dragon that way, and you were just like, wait a minute, how much does it cost? Uh, yeah, and I was like, ma'am, no. No, thank you. Um, not for that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, which makes the interface stuff more frustrating, because they can clearly learn from their mistakes, and yet they've kept the same interface for right. three years now. Right. Yeah. No. Changes are needed there. Yeah. What's sad is, you know what the best streaming service probably is? Paramount? Well... Actually, yeah, probably Paramount. I was going to say how surprised I was that Paramount, like, because Paramount, when it first launched, seemed like the most copying the homework mm-hmm. streaming service. They, where I was like, Paramount. they it's changed like, its name to Paramount what Plus. What do for you guys sake. want? Like, why? Like, that was, I remember one of that being the one that I was like, this is getting out of hand. Like, that <laughs> Paramount Plus made me flip a table in the sense of like, are we yeah. done with the streaming service? Isn't this a little much? But actually, it's kind of the most valuable one, I'll have to say. It's, for me, been yes. the most valuable streaming service. Yeah, it's it's a little more... It's like a... It is, in a lot of ways, Disney Plus Lite, but there is an advantage to that where it's a lot easier to navigate. It's not overwhelming. Right. And, like, admittedly, I still... I use it a lot just when I want to watch something specific. Yeah. But also, it also has live TV, which I like. It has a lot of, like, bells and whistles I like. And it gives me access. Like, it gives me access to sports. It gives me access to a different range of things I don't have with Disney+. Plus. Right. But I was going to say, honestly, HBO Max is quite, was well, was, in terms of... And this is kind of what brings us back to, like, the Expo thing. Because, like, Warner Brothers should be able to do these Expos. Right. They have a huge catalog. They have a rich 100-year history... And they yeah. make interesting films every year. But the problem is, like, AT&T was really on When it was AT&T owning them, and, you know, that was an objectively bad time for Warner Brothers. Mm. And, like, I kind of hate that HBO Max was a byproduct of them being like, we deserve a streaming service. We're a telemarketing <laughs> company. We should have a streaming service. Yeah. And that gets into a lot of, like, problematic, monopoly-esque things because it's like, oh, so you own the oil, the pipes, and the trucks. Yep. And the heaters in the house, huh? Um, but, like, because they were so obsessed with just, like, they have an ex, they had those DC fandom things, and it's like, you could be doing this for all of Warner Bros. Like, that's the advantage, Mm. that's what Disney gets. Like, yeah, we could just do a Marvel thing, or we could do everything. And then people get really hyped. But Warner Brothers can't think that big for some reason. I don't know what their problem is. We were talking about this the other day. Like, why can't... Why does Warner Brothers feel so disjointed with all of its content? Even Nintendo feels cohesive. Decades of... Decades of, like, managerial incompetence. And then they just... They just got so locked into chasing trends 
Yeah. Like, they want to chase Disney. They want to be like, look at our silos. Look at our silos. We have the Lego silo. We have the DC silo. But then they just couldn't figure out how to run those correctly. No. Like, they don't... And I hate to just say, oh, they don't have a Kevin Foggy. But, yeah, that was kind of the problem. They didn't have... Like, they didn't have a competent adult in the room who ran it smoothly and efficiently. Right. Like... And now they're run by the guy who, you know... They're owned by Discovery, and that Zaslav fellow, whose big claim to fame was creating Honey Boo Boo, oh he is God. just hacking and slashing into parts. And, like, I've wanted to talk about this, but, like, I don't have a full episode. This feels like an episode where we just get a lot of ideas that we have no room for and just put them on a table. Yeah. We need to but, have like, a brain dump episode. Yeah. He's, like, hacking and slashing it and targeting animation. He's basically targeting anything that he's not personally interested in because he ha- he's, like... People, we got to give people slop. What is this animation crap? What is this, like, yeah. female crap? Like, so, most... But he's just literally erased several great animated shows. He's erased all this DC stuff. He's erased all these classic movies because he's just trying to hack it to the bone. So, like, he bought... You know, him and Discovery bought Warner Brothers when it's like, here's a company with a lot of debt and a lot of potential, but a lot of films you already... You have to, like, deal with. Whereas yeah. he'll sell it as... Here's a company with more upside than the one we bought. It has a little bit of debt, and also it has a clean slate, so you can make whatever Batman thing you feel like. Right, yeah. Um, and it's a shame, because HBO Max really was... It it rivaled Disney in terms of content. It arguably had a more diverse range, because you have... True. You know, you have Cartoon Network, you have Looney Tunes, you have... You somehow convinced Ghibli to finally, like, go to streaming. Cave, which yeah. is insane. You have Turner... You basically have 100 years worth of, like assorted cinematic history right like you had a much better range it was much cleaner the interface is a lot less fussy but it you can't celebrate it now because again they're just ripping it to bit to pieces yeah we could talk about this all day (laughs) yeah but i guess yeah we could um but yeah i guess bringing it all back it's well one before we wrap up, I do want to ask, like, mm-hmm. what was the first thing you watched on Disney Plus? Oh, God. It, um, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. You know what it probably was? I think Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> I think my, That's I think I, I wanted to, like, scratch that itch of, like, Lizzie McGuire, even Stevens, all my favorite things, like, sign It's why we love this thing, even though we bitch about it all the time. Yeah, I feel like I first, like, put on Lizzie McGuire, like, it's pilot episode, and I think that was it. Like, I'm pretty, that's my first memory of Disney Plus. What about you? Um, if I, well, see, because I was still waiting in the, like, audition room, and I was like, you know what, let's pick something simple and... Because you know me. Again, I'm a man of pomp and circumstance. I like theming. I like yeah. like symbolism. So I did right. Steamboat Willie because I'm like... Very nice. I can finally actually watch it. And also, like, you know, it's right. a good starting point for Disney history. Uh, you know, shocking amount of animal abuse in that cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> How interesting. Um, it's so fascinating about it is, like, I feel like in all of our complaints about Disney+, Plus, we're using it exactly the way they intended us to. <laughs> Right. They know that their target audience is people who decide they need to watch, like, Lizzie McGuire at some point. Right. Or people who don't feel comfortable unless they can watch Hercules or animation nerds. Like, they know their audience, and, like, we can complain about the expos all they want, but, like, they know know how to play the audience, which, at the end of the day, as much as, 
like we can talk about how Disney's bad for the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be mad at them because they're doing they're competent. The difference between absolutely. them and Warner Brothers is purely competence. Right, absolutely. And I will take a competent me- bad company over an incompetent bad company any day because incompetent bad companies destroy way more things that we love. Yeah. Than the competent ones. Right. Ugh. <sighs> and you know, until and, until the anti-streaming uprise of 2047, right. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. Have a magical day. Thanks for listening. The Disney Desk is written, produced, and edited by Sydney Nicole Barkley and Carter Glace. Please follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk or send us an email at podcastdisneydesk at gmail.com. Want to support the magic? Use the link in the show's notes to make a donation to the Disney Desk podcast. We would greatly appreciate it.